Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Now, we finished um, last week the book of Luke, and uh, moving this, t- this next few weeks into a short series called The COVID Context. So the context we find ourselves with COVID and the dilemmas and the challenges and the questions that it brings towards us. And today we're going to be looking at um, the idea of the gospel and the government, particularly how we react uh, with government laws and restrictions or even authorities in, in respect. There's a, there's a principle there that we can actually take right across, not only just governments, although Paul is probably talking to the governments directly here when he's in uh, this passage. But anyway, to set the scene for us, um, I've never known a time in my life uh, for more than 50-odd years uh, when the government, both federally and state, have had so much direct impact upon me as a person. I've been very fortunate not to have lived through world wars where the government had to make very drastic things happen then and changes and take place. I've never had to go through that where they've had to make difficult calls to impact their lives. But the last 20 months, though, has seen major intrusion into our lives through government laws and mandates. Uh, Our freedoms and plans have been severely restricted as the governments try to navigate this way through the pandemic. Even a really simple thing that we would take for granted, like going down to the Shep Lake and grabbing some Maccas or a pizza or something else, just something really simple, there's been times where we actually couldn't be able to do that as well. It's been challenging. Uh, We've all listened to press conferences. Uh, Many times we've gone back into a snap lockdown for seven days, well, It was seven days, and it stretches into weeks and then goes into months. Uh, We feel gutted and deflated by those things. And then around that, we have this whole mountain of social media commentary telling us all that the government has done wrong. We can easily see that in social media. And then we mix that in with our own opinions of laws and regulations, and what we can find then is we can have the potential breeding ground for toxic thoughts about the governing authorities. So, how does Jesus want us to respond towards the government? What does the gospel say about our relationship with governing authorities? Open your Bibles up and let's go to Romans chapter 13 and we're going to see where the gospel speaks directly into this context. Romans 13, we're going to read verses 1 through to 5. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of of conscience. Father, we come before you today and we just ask and pray that Holy Spirit, you would come now. 
help us to work through these few verses here and I pray bring clarity into our hearts, bring humility into our hearts, bring submission and subjection through the gospel into our hearts, Lord, as we look at this passage and allow it to speak to us, to speak to all of us. Lord, we ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Romans 13 is a real clear passage when it comes here to the clarity on how the gospel intersects with the role of governments and authorities at all levels. Uh, It's a very decisive command that Paul gives us here and as we'll see in the context of his day when he wrote this would have been extremely challenging for the believers as they read here what Paul writes to them. Very difficult for these guys to follow. It'll take a mountain of gospel transformation here to see what God has done through governments and submit ourselves to them. Romans. Uh, Romans is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, we believe, from the city of Corinth. Uh, Paul writes to the Roman Christians here a very comprehensive letter giving probably the largest understanding and sort of unpacking of the gospel and its implications for our lives. Uh, As is Paul's style when he writes letters, there's lots of teaching up front about who God is, what God has done for us, and then after that is what does the gospel look like in real life for us. And Paul's done the very same thing here in Romans. The first 11 chapters of Romans is all about the gospel. It's all about God. It's all about what he's done for us to rescue us and to save us and how great and glorious he is. And then in chapter 12, Paul turns to the practical application of the gospel. What does the gospel look like in our lives after we understand all this theology about who God is? And when Paul gets to chapter 13, he addresses here how Christians are shaped by the gospel in our relationship with governing authorities. Here's our big idea as we think about that today. Governments are ordained by God. We need to pray for them, respect them and submit to them as they carry out his purposes. Okay, let's jump into it. Paul's really, really clear here that governing authorities are God's idea. They're God's idea. Have a look in verse 1. We, we just can't make a mistake here on this one. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist, governing authorities, have been instituted by God. Firstly, God holds all and supreme authority. There is no higher authority in the universe except God. He is the supreme authority. God and his sovereignty is the ultimate authority in life. In whatever authorities that are delegated here on earth, God holds ultimate authority. There is no authority other than God. We have elders here that lead this church in authority, but ultimately the elders are submitted to the authority of our sovereign Lord. God holds all authority. So, whatever governing authorities are in this world, and there's a whole range of them, whether it's federal and state governments or or authorities just in their lives in local levels, all of them here, they are the purposes of God's common grace into this world where we live. In God's common or general favour towards us, he institutes, he puts in place or organises authority structures. We can't get that wrong in the passage. That's really clear what Paul says there. And it's not Paul who's saying that as such. It's the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul. 
But what is the role then of these governing authorities put in place by God? Why are they here? What's their purpose? Well, Paul helps us to see that. They're here for our good. Look in verses 3 and 4 where Paul tells us that. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. Look at this next bit. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Paul talks about there our conduct and our actions and how we live in verse 3. And then Paul says twice in verse 4 here that these governing authorities are servants of God, put in place by God. And why are they put in place? They're put in place for our good. For our good. In other words, governing authorities are God's servant or way of administering justice so that communities will be peaceful and harmonious. So that law and order will be in place so that we have safe and secure communities. This is how God chooses to administer his order amongst the world, through authorities, through governing authorities. Now just stop and think with me for a moment. Can you imagine a world without authority structures, without governing authorities? Can you imagine a world that would be like that? No restraints, no laws. Anybody can do whatever they like, whenever they like. Can you imagine a world like that? What would be the result of that world? We might think, well, there's complete freedom. We can do whatever we like. Sure, but understand who we are and what would be the result of that? Chaos, untold suffering, injustice, genocide, and probably outright anarchy, outright rebellion. It would be a bit like the wild, wild west. He who has the biggest gun would win. That's what would happen. People would just want to dominate and crush other people. That would be a world in total chaos if God didn't put these governing authorities and structures in place. But what does God do in his grace towards us? He puts a governing authority here to carry out the role of maintaining law and order to keep safe and harmonious communities together. So that's the role there that we see that Paul's telling us about in governance. What God does, what he puts into place. So what's the response as we see what God's put in place for us, what's the response that God requires of us towards his ordained, his instituted governing authorities? Well, again, Paul doesn't leave us wondering here what the response should be. Look in verse 1 again. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. That's pretty, comp- pretty comprehensive. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. The key words there are subject to. That is, we are to be inclined or willing to submit to orders or the wishes of others. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. We respect their authority as ordained by God and we readily fall into line with it. 
if the authorities say that the speed limit is 100 kilometres an hour, we subject ourselves to those authorities and we fall into line and we drive at 100 kilometres an hour. I'm just looking for a few faces maybe to be going down at this point in time. We all might creep over it around again, but if we do creep over it, we actually face the consequences of that, which could be a $250 fine or whatever it is now. Why do we do that? Why do we subject ourselves or submit ourselves to that? Because we recognise that they are the governing authorities that God has put in place and they are servants of God. They're for our good. And these governing authorities recommend that the safe limit for travelling on roads is 100 kilometres an hour. It's doing that for our safety. So we subject ourselves to that because they're God's servants for our good. And I'll add here... For Christians, for believers, that the gospel-shaped attitude or demeanour of all believers is to be a submissive people, is to be a subjective people, not a rebellious people, but a submissive people. In our reading before the Jace, it did so well for us. It said there, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Be subject for the Lord's sake. God's will for us as believers is to be submissive people. Submitting to these authorities that God's put in our place for the Lord's sake. In other words, to bring honour and to bring glory to God because that's who we are. We don't have to be rebels and push back. We can be submissive because we trust in a sovereign Lord who is the highest authority in all these ways. God calls us to be submissive, but by nature we see we aren't that submissive. There's something within us that wants to push back and rebel. That's not normally our natural position, is to just naturally just submit. It's not. Why is that? Why do we want to push back? Sin has corrupted us. We've become rebels. We want to live for ourselves. Why do we have trouble submitting to authorities, whether it be our parents at home or work authorities, or even right up to governing authorities, why do we struggle with submitting in these situations? Why do we want to push back against them? I wish I could tell that to my kids. Why do you want to push back at me such a young age? But they do. Here's a couple of causes, I think, that may suggest why we want to rebel or push back against authority. One is, we think we know better. We may just think the way they're doing something is just dumb. We know better than them. My parents have no idea on how to raise me as a child. The manager's ideas at work are ridiculous. He's so out of touch or she's so out of touch. This government have got it all wrong. They've got their head in the sand. They've got no idea on how to manage this state or this country. There's a much better way to do this. If only they just listened to some common sense and they'd see my way is better at doing things. Do you find yourself sometimes listening to a government press conference and having those thoughts go through your mind? This government's got no idea what it's doing. I've got a better way. If that's the case, then we don't submit. We rebel. We think we've got a better way of doing something. Here's another one, why we don't submit. Secondly, because it cuts across our agenda in life. We don't want to submit to some rules or laws because it cuts across what I want to do. We're told we're not allowed to go here or do this or go there. We're told that that behaviour isn't acceptable anymore. 
I like doing this. It's my freedom to do this. This behaviour isn't hurting anyone and I enjoy what I'm doing. But it's cutting across my desires and my plans so then I don't want to submit to those authorities. It's my right to do those things. We don't want to follow what other people tell us to do. Basically, at the core of who we are, we don't like to be told what to do by others in our lives. We actually resent that. You don't tell me how to live my life. You don't tell me what I can do and where I can go. I'm the boss of my life. Nobody tells me what to do. When that's happening inside of our heart, instead of submission, we just push back. I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. You see, this is what sin does to us. It places me in the centre of my world and the centre of the universe and the whole world revolves around me because it's all about my rights. It's all about my freedoms. It's all about my desires. It's all about my agenda. And then we push back and we rebel against authority. It's sinful desires working within our heart. It starts as a child. We've all seen that for those who are parents and they raise children. You don't have to teach them to be bad or naughty. That just is in them. It just happens. And it just keeps going through the rest of life. We just keep pushing back against authorities because of a sinful corruption within us that says, I'm the boss of my life. You don't tell me what to do. I rule me. The gospel, though, speaks a very different story into our lives. The Holy Spirit comes and softens our heart to recognise who Jesus is, our true king, our true authority, and now we recognise that through that, that I am a rebel, that I was pushing back not only against the authorities here, but I was pushing back against God as well. The Spirit gives me a new heart now to submit to Jesus as my true king in humility. And that is God's grace working in our heart to submit and to be subjected to what God has put in place for us. And from that point on, with the gospel, we live a life of submission to governing authorities or any level of authority in our lives. Okay, God calls us to submit to governing authorities, but do they always get it right? Do they always get it right? Are authorities perfect with all of their laws and all of their regulations? Is there a time, maybe, Todd, that we should protest against these governing authorities? We might look at what Paul says there and say, that's a very blanket statement you've made, Paul. To submit ourselves to all governing authorities. That covers everything. Are there any exceptions, Paul? Can you help us with that? Well, Paul doesn't list any exceptions here, but there certainly are times that we must say that authorities have crossed the line and something else needs to be done. Let me suggest maybe three points where we would disobey an authority or government law that's over us. Firstly, it's this one. If it violates God's law. If it violates God's law. If we are told to do something that is directly opposed in, as, uh, against God's law, such as in Acts 5 and the apostles there, Peter and John, were told not to tell anybody about Jesus, where Jesus has already given us a commission to go and tell the whole world about Jesus. If we're told then not to tell people about Jesus, well, we would answer exactly the way Peter and John did in Acts 5.29, where Peter says this, Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. So if it directly violates God's command or God's law, yes, yes, we would oppose that. 
Secondly, we should also disobey an unethical or immoral act in our lives. If we are a nurse or a doctor and we're told to carry out an elective abortion, we would say we're not doing that. We're not going to carry out the immoral act of murder. We wouldn't do that. We're not going to do that. Or if you're told by your superiors at work, because there's a bit of tension in your department, they're saying, can you please just falsify the records and cover up some mistakes over here so we can sort of get through without getting caught? Well, you wouldn't do that either. Because that would be lying. That would be deceiving. That would be an uh, immoral, unethical act to do that. We should disobey those authorities at that particular time if that was the case. Thirdly, If our Christian conscience is violated, there's grounds then to push back. If we're told by our manager that we're contracting as an admin person, say, we need you to go work for the next six weeks in that adult adult sex club, you would say, my Christian conscience will not allow me to go and work there. So that's a time when you could resist the authorities who might be telling you to go do something. If your conscience is violated, sure, your Christian conscience, then you can push back. Some governments are corrupt. Some governments are ungodly. Not every part of them, but some aspects of them. The Roman government of the day where the New Testament did a lot of good things, did a lot of good things in the world back then, but they were incredibly harsh towards Christians. Uh, Under the emperors of Nero and Domitian, they carried out major persecution and killed many followers of Jesus Christ. Thousands of Christians, thousands of Christians, not hundreds, thousands became part of the entertainment of the Colosseum where they were fed to the lions for simply doing no other thing other than being a Christian. Crowds of Romans would flock to the Colosseum to see these Christians being eaten alive by the lions for no other reason other than being a Christian. These are the people that Paul is writing to on this day. He's writing to the Roman Christians and he's saying, be submissive to the governments. Paul, don't you know that they've eaten my mother and father and they've fed them to the lions and you want me to be submissive to this government? Don't you know that they're causing havoc in the church and you're telling me to be submissive to the government? That would be incredibly tough for those people back then to to hear what Paul's saying and say, be subjective to the governing authorities knowing what they were doing. Still, though, there are times where we should protest against ungodly governments. But let me say this, it must be done with extreme caution if we are to take that path. And I say with extreme caution because protest of a civil nature against the government should be a last resort when everything else has failed to try and win over the government ear of what's happening. And I also say it's a cautious time because some people have a predisposition to be just looking for controversy. Some Christians are really quick to pull the trigger. I just can't wait to actually stir up a controversy. It's like that old saying, they'd rather a fight than a feed. They're just looking to bring it on for some people. For some reason, they've just got this, this predisposition to go for it. And as soon as anything smells a little bit like this could be ungodly, They start wheeling out their social media posts, sort of bagging out the government. It's like they're just itching to find something to push back against that. Jesus never gave us a mandate to cause civil disobedience and incite major demonstrations as our go-to first choice of protest. 
That's the last thing we get to. But sure, there is a time for protest. How do we do that? We make representation to the governing authorities. We pursue them lovingly, carefully, persistently. We go through all the necessary channels through calm, rational conversation, putting out our position that we think is unjust, that is unfair. And we do that persistently. We do that lovingly. We do that carefully. And with much godly wisdom, with much godly wisdom, if that does no good and it seems to fall upon deaf ears then there will be a time that we need to ramp up our actions. But absolute rebellion to a governing law must be the last resort when all else has failed. When all else has failed, then we might look at that. So how might that look today for our current situation here as we think about the COVID restrictions we're under? As we started off, never before have we had a government had so much intrusion into our lives. Putting in laws that cut right across our freedoms and our choices. We can't go to places, we can't do things because the government's declared it not safe to do. Clearly, we are in a pandemic with this coronavirus. Even now, there's hundreds and hundreds of people in hospitals in Melbourne. There's hundreds of people in ICU and I think there's more than 100 people on ventilators at this particular time as we speak. There's a pandemic that we are under. Now, for some of us, we think, nah, the government's crossed the line. It's now time to push back. They've gone too far. Well, let's think about this again. What's the government here for in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this uh, crisis we're in? God puts them here in place for our law and order. God puts governments in place here to keep us safe and secure. The government of the day deems that certain measures must be in place to keep us safe from this COVID pandemic. This is their motivation. It's to keep us safe. So masks, social distancing and restrictions of gatherings are all part of their way of trying to navigate us out of this pandemic, out of this virus. Now, none of those rules, masks, social distancing or restriction of gathering, none of those rules during a crisis is sinful. They're not wrong in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a pandemic. None of those rules are ungodly. But you might say, hang on, Todd, we can't meet as a church should be able to meet. Surely that's got to be something. Well, yeah, you're right, we can't meet as we'd like to meet. We have about 25 people here today. We wish we had the whole 100 people here today, but we can't. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. This, is, is, this isn't how it's going to always be. We're actually back at the start of the year. We had full congregation in church. And the rules aren't singularly targeted at churches. It's not like they're saying, right, everybody else can meet but not the church. All mass gatherings have this same rule across the board. And there is a plan in place to return back to normal numbers again with regular gatherings. We're not sure when that will be, but there's a plan in place when that will happen again. So there's no call for that at this time to protest what the government's doing. We can see they've got a pathway and a roadmap coming out of this. But, but, in time, if things have changed for everyone else and the church is still restricted to only a small number or whatever, well then there is a point where maybe we would actually raise representation to the government and say, why not us and everybody else have been able to go back to normality? But that's not now. We're not in that stage. 
And we don't think that'll happen at this point in time. But Todd, what about this? The government's made a rule for all authorised workers to get the vaccine. What about that mandate? What about that law? Isn't that a sinful or ungodly mandate? I don't find that to be a sinful law either. There's nothing, <coughs> there's nothing sinful about mandating a vaccine. The government's convinced that the vaccine is the best way to protect the community. They have a role from God to be the servants for good, to help us. Do I personally agree with that mandate that it should be forced upon every single person? No. I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it wasn't coerced or forced. I wish people did have a free choice about that and not pushed into a corner. But in a real sense, we still have a choice. We have a choice not to get it. The government's not telling us we must get it. We, we can say no. But it's just really unfortunate circumstances if we don't get that vaccine. I wish it wasn't that way, but it is that way. Here's potentially, I think, a bigger heart issue we need to think about here and deal with as we try and grapple with this. And today, by no means, is any fully comprehensive discussion. There's lots more conversation we can have about this. But here's a bigger issue we need to grapple with. How do we react to governing authorities during these times from our heart. What thoughts go through your mind as you see Premier Daniel Andrews giving another press conference? What goes through your mind? What's coming out of your heart? Do you dislike him? Do you want to walk up to the television screen and kick it? If you saw him, would you want to harm him? or say something really nasty to him. This is really important for us to check our hearts here in this situation. Really important. Because if we are pushing back against the government because I just don't like the way they're doing things, I'd rather have things done my way, then according to verse 2 in this passage, you're not only resisting Daniel Andrews, you are resisting God. Look at verse 2 there, it says this, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. You're not just resisting the government, you're resisting what God has put in place. Fairly stirring stuff that Paul writes here. That stuff just doesn't glow over us easy. That stuff's got to sit in our heart and it's got to actually think long and hard about that because we're in a context now that believers just can't live in a shallow way of thinking. We've got to think deeply and longly about what our heart's doing and how it can be shaped by the gospel to actually live in this current climate. God wants us to live in a way that glorifies him and he does make it really clear here. That doesn't mean it's easy, but he makes it clear. How does the gospel transform us in these situations as we think about that, as we think about Daniel Andrews in a press conference? How do we see him? Well, we must see Daniel Andrews as made in the image of God. He's an eternal being. He's a soul. Yes, yes, just like me, he's broken by sin. 
Yes. Does he get it wrong? Yes. We are to love our Premier, Daniel Andrews. We are to pray for his salvation. We are to pray for good governance. We are to pray for him and his government that they would govern fairly and justly. And we are to do this even when we don't like the laws that they make. We are to wear masks. We are to QR code in wherever we go. Why? Because that's what Jesus expects of us. Be subject to all governing authorities. We may not like it. It doesn't matter whether we like it or not. It's what Jesus tells us to do. That's how the gospel shapes us. That's how the gospel transforms us. Why? Because God ordains government and we are called to subject ourselves to them. doesn't matter how much widespread government intrusion we have in our lives. We need to love them. We need to pray for them. We need to subject ourselves to them. How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that when it is so hard? Because it pushes against the corrupted nature inside of us. We can only do that by the grace that Jesus gives to us to subject ourselves to him, uh, to subject ourselves to the government. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 here. He says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of his servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself. He became obedient, subjected himself to the Father, subjected himself so that our sin could be paid for, we could be given a new heart, so that we now too can humble ourselves before the gospel, before governing authorities, and subject ourselves to them by the grace that he gives. That's the only way that we'll be able to do this in these extremely difficult circumstances. The gospel speaks directly into this situation. Be subject to the governing authorities for the glory of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today as we come and uh, open up your word. Father, thank you for the book of Romans. Thank you for Romans chapter 13. God, thank you that you speak into our hearts and you speak into our lives. Today, Lord, we face lots of challenge. We face lots of hard decisions. Lord, we face division that's sort of ripping right through our community. Help us as gospel-shaped believers in Christ transformed by your Holy Spirit with the word of God guiding and leading and informing our thinking and informing our actions. Help us today, Lord, to see that you have put governing authorities in place as servants for our good. And God, you simply call us to subject ourselves to them, submit ourselves to them. Lord, we know and we understand they don't always get it right. But it's not about whether we think they've got it wrong or right from our own personal preference. It's about what you've called us to do. If they're not violating your law, if they're not asking us to do anything immoral, they're not violating our Christian conscience, God, please help us to obey them. Please help us to be a community that actually reflects your glory through a submissive 
attitude and not a rebellious attitude. We are people of submission. Help us today with that, I pray. Help the people, Lord, who are struggling with this major challenge before us now with the vaccine and authorised workers having to receive that. Help people to think really clearly and carefully why they don't want to take that vaccine. They could have good medical grounds for that, Lord. But if it's simply they don't like being told what to do, I pray, Holy Spirit, do a work in their heart. Reveal the humility and the subjection of Jesus within their heart. And help them to think long and hard over that, Lord, we pray. We thank you for the gospel today. We thank you for the good news that it is that sets us free from our own self-centred world and sets us free, Lord, to live for you. Father, today we do ask that, we do pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.